Hello everyone, uh, welcome to the Legal Matters podcast. My name is Christophoros Christofi. Uh, today is Tuesday, it's the 23rd of March. Uh, the time in Cyprus is 6 o'clock and uh, we have a very hot topic today. I have the pleasure of hosting uh, here a discussion on international arbitration with very distinguished guests, beginning from George Lambrou, who is in the United Kingdom in London. George, welcome. Hello. Uh, Dr. Anna Plevry. Uh, Anna, good evening and welcome again to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and thank you for being here. And uh, for the first time, my colleague, Mr. Agis uh, Georgiadis. Agi, welcome too. Thank you and good evening to all. So I welcome you all. Uh, it's a, a dusty day today in Cyprus. Uh, how is the weather in uh, in London, George? Well, uh, well, <laughs> actually, at the moment, um, it's uh, it's it's well, it's 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 what you would expect. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, in the in the last couple of days here, it uh, it has been awful. We have a lot of dust. They say it comes from the desert, and uh, you cannot breathe, and it's it's really very bad, very bad. Um, okay. So let me make an introduction first. Uh, I will say very very few words about my guests today. Um, I will uh, link uh, the CVs of all the three of them, uh, beginning with George. George is uh, a solicitor, uh, advocate, practicing in England and Wales. He has extensive English high court experience and, of course, international arbitration experience with the ICC, the LCIA, the LMAA and ICSID. He sits as an arbitrator and in his free time, George is the co-director of training for the European branch of the Chartered Institutes uh, of Arbitrators. And he speaks fluent Russian and Greek. Where did Russian come about? Russian, it's an interesting story. I, I lived there for six years. Um, ah. Uh, I was sent there uh, on behalf of the U.S. government, and so therefore I can't disclose this in public, uh, what I was doing. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's not a secret. Uh, but we were helping to develop uh, investment and trade in, in Russia. Okay. Uh, this was in the 90s, uh, and as a result, that's where I learned the language. Okay, okay. Very interesting. Uh, so Anna, Anna is an attorney at law. She comes from Crete. She's an islander like us. She's a member of the Cyprus Bar Association, of the Bar Association of Thessaloniki. She's a certified mediator on civil, commercial, family works, workplace disputes and ODR, a certified mediator's trainer, uh, an arbitrator, and a lot of other things that I will not repeat here. She's assistant professor at the Department of Law in the University of Nicosia, and she lectures private law and ADR at the University of Nicosia. And now I need two hours to, to spell out all, all your <laughs> qualifications. No, I, I, just, <clears throat> I think this panel is a dispute resolution panel. <laughs> so we're, we're all doctors, actually, because yes. dispute resolution. Okay. And uh, my friend Agis Georgiadis, he's a barrister. 
He's an accredited mediator and a fellow of the Charter Institute of Arbitrators. And Agis is the first Cypriot member of the London uh, Court of International Arbitration. Uh, and we are very proud about this accomplishment, Agis. And he practices law at the Cypriot uh, law firm of Christos Georgiadis and Associates. Okay, so uh, a small introduction. I will link the CVs. Uh, so we said today that we are going to make a discussion about international arbitration. Um, George, this is a topic that uh, has become very hot in Cyprus in the last few months in view of the lockdown and in view of the problems that we have in the administration of justice in Cyprus, the delays, uh, the problems with ex execution of judgments and so forth. So we have been discussing in this podcast many times alternative dispute resolutions. I have had uh, other guests as well uh, uh, in the past. So um, we thought that it's a, it's a good idea to, to go a, ste a step further and explain to our audience which are primarily lawyers and accountants and other professionals, how to become an arbitrator. Uh, so um, we thought of uh, inviting you as a principal guest uh, to, to explain the process and the procedure. And Agis and Anna will uh, contribute along the way. And I would like to start Actually, all this was Anna's idea, so uh, I'm not, uh, I wasn't the one that thought, but actually it's a very good idea. So let, let's start first of all by uh, giving a definition of arbitration and international arbitration. Can you tell us what it is, how it came about, and uh, uh, any experience you had with uh, uh, Greece and Cyprus the last uh, years? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you, Christophero, for uh, inviting me. This is a, a, a fantastic program, and I've heard so many things, and I've watched a lot of the other episodes. And uh, I have to say, it, it really is. Uh, it's one of these, one of the good things I think, which has emerged out of uh, out of coronavirus uh, lockdowns, is that we've explored other ways to communicate, and mm -hmm. and it actually has created these types of forums like yours. And, and I'm just so grateful to you for inviting me. So, so thank you very much. It's my pleasure and our honor, George. Well, thank you. Um, well, arbitration. Uh, let's let's talk about what what is arbitration. And you know, I many people describe it as uh, as you did uh, as an alternative. A dispute resolution uh, mechanism, but I, I sometimes wonder about really whether it is the alternative, or or maybe maybe it's the primary. Hmm. Uh, historically, has, has perhaps been the primary or one of the primary means that people, business people, uh, actually resolve their disputes. If you look back, uh, there's a there's a brilliant book book which I I brought here to show. Um, it's uh, ancient Greek arbitration okay. uh, by Derek Robick, and this is you know it's not a small book. Okay, so so this there's actually quite a lot of arbitration, which was the most common form of dispute resolution uh, for, for for merchants um, mm -hmm. uh, in ancient Greece and of course in Cyprus. Um, mm -hmm. So so from our from the places where we're from. 
um, and, and not just the places where we're from, but if you look at also in China or or all over Europe, um, you know, people didn't really go to state court. Don't forget also they didn't actually have nation states. It was it was mm -hmm. city states, and of course there was the de Castillo. Yeah. But the Dicastidio was not the place where people really wanted to go. To business people did not want to go to resolve their disputes there. So, mm -hmm. And there's lots of good reasons for that. Um, so a typical arbitration clause that we would find uh, in, 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 in ancient times mm -hmm. would be that you know, in the event of a dispute, the matter would be referred to, let's say, three merchants of the port. Mm -hmm. um, so a relatively simple uh, arbitration clause, but one which was clearly a, a, a choice not to go to the courts, but to have the result, the, the result, the re dispute resolved privately mm -hmm. by fellow merchants. Uh, and there's lots of good reasons for that, um, and those reasons exist today. So, so really, when we're talking about international arbitration, we're talking about disputes which are resolved privately. Uh, between uh, the parties um, and by a neutral uh, third-party tribunal, or, which might be either one, two, two even sometimes, or three um, arbitrators. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's, it's nothing new. Uh, mm -hmm. It's nothing alternative. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it fell out of fashion, perhaps, in the rise of nation-states and the, the, the centralization of governments, but that's actually a relatively recent phenomenon. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so my view historically is that actually it's 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 returning back to its its mm -hmm. permanent place among merchants as the means to resolve uh, commercial disputes. Mm -hmm. So you are saying that the origins of this um, uh, had to do with merchandise disputes, and it originated uh, uh, from there, right? Absolutely. I mean, as far back as we can tell, you know, we mm -hmm. we have arbitration clauses. We actually even have uh, arbitration being conducted among the Greek gods in yeah. mythology. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it, it it's a very it's a fundamental means mm -hmm. of resolving disputes, which has been around since the beginning of, of the Western Western mm -hmm. civilization. Actually, um, uh, we have a colleague here, uh, Nikos Papastathiou. I don't know if you are uh, if you know. He's uh, the managing partner in Dasus Papadopoulos Law Firm, and he published a book lately. And we, we had a podcast uh, about this uh, a few weeks ago. It's the first book on uh, commercial arbitration, international and the, uh, the Cypriot practice. And he, he refers to this and about the roots of arbitration. And he refers to the example of the Greek gods that it, it is the first, uh, one of the first recorded uh, cases of that we had arbitration and everybody went before Zeus to, to get to obtain justice and submit their case. So uh, Anna, uh, can you uh, contribute here and, and tell us uh, uh, why are Cypriot lawyers not accustomed with the arbitration and international arbitration? And for most of the practicing lawyers, it looks something like um, uh, it's not something common. It, it's not something that everybody uh, knows. Thank you, Christopher. And I would like also to say that I'm very pleased and honored for having uh, George with us today. George is an expert, a really expert in ADR and arbitration and uh, he also is an insider 
so mm -hmm. it, it's the one to to ask uh, questions indeed today so I, I totally agree with George I think arbitration started um, among the the merchants and those who wanted to find um, um, solutions when it comes to uh, problems of trade mm -hmm. uh, and yes we can claim the Greeks we can claim again that it's an institution coming from Greece um, uh, from uh, from our country. Um, also, Aristoteles mm -hmm. uh, refers to arbitration in a very explicit way. Uh, ex uh, excuse me, I will say it in, in, in Greek. It mm -hmm. says in a certain uh, point, Aristoteles, ο μεν διαιτητής το επίγειας ορά ο δε δικαστής το νόμο και τούτου ένεκα which means that the, the arbitrator needs to see, needs to apply the law, but also mm -hmm. by, uh, by bringing um, a, a balance to the dispute. Mm -hmm. It is about applying law also, and this mm -hmm. is something that people should know, that it's, it's a kind of, it's not a kind, it's a trial, it's a court. It's mm -hmm. an arbitral tribunal, let's say, in a more correct way. Mm -hmm. So there is a litigation there. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to Cyprus, I, I don't actually agree that the Cypriot lawyers, they are not um, involved in arbitration. The thing is that not many of them are involved. Mm -hmm. So there are certain people that they are involved in arbitration practice. I, I do know that Aegis is one of them and, mm -hmm. and, and some others. But what is missing is to, to have the arbitration as one of the uh, dispute resolution methods as a tool in our services. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we need to um, expand, actually, the, the, the tools, the, the possible methods of, um, uh, of dispute resolution by, ex okay. by explaining to our clients that there is mm -hmm. this path too. So mm -hmm. there is another book, The Three Paths of Justice. Mm. Well, sometimes I'm not sure if some if um, to resolve a dispute, a dispute, it's always mm -hmm. um, a matter of justice. This is debatable, but uh, I do think that in certain areas and in certain sectors, arbitration mm -hmm. is a very um, a very fair solution, I would say, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you know from the beginning certain things, and you have taken certain decisions, and you can go among them. Mm -hmm. okay. So it's actually a little bit weird that in a mm -hmm. jurisdiction where delays are, you know, you know how, how the system yes, works. Yes, it's, it's very hard. Yeah. That um, ADR methods in general are not um, mm -hmm. so popular, but I think this is something that changed now. That's mm -hmm. my view. Okay. Okay. So let's go into specifics now. I is um, when we say international arbitration, for example, in the in, in our case, in the case of Cyprus, um, do we need to have uh, an external party involved in order to qualify as international arbitration? I mean, the, when yes. we say international, what do we mean exactly? It has to be foreign entities? How does it work? Well, um, uh, when the parties in a dispute come from different states, then uh, that dispute can be characterized as uh, an international dispute. Um, of course, it's not always that simple to know um, um, because um, there are some very complicated cases, for example, where companies change, move their seats from one country to another, or when the 
lot of mm-hmm. parties, a uh, consortium. Um, uh, but um, if we take the plain, the simple case where we have two, two parties from different countries, then that would amount to um, an international dispute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's important to know, it's very important to uh, make this distinction because of the application of the New York Convention. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this convention, which is basically the convention which uh, enables the recognition of uh, arbitration awards in all member states, now counting more than 150, uh, applies only to, arbitra- uh, to international arbitration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, George, I'm, I'm coming back to you now. Um, of course, you are you are an expert. You you have a lot of experience in this. Can you uh, tell us what are the benefits of arbitration and international arbitration in general, uh, and why would someone do that instead of going to a traditional courthouse? Okay. Well, uh, well, thank you. And uh, again, you know, let's let's look at it as the primary. Uh, because actually, the reality is is that today, when you have international contracts, at least the ones that I come across, mm-hmm. um, it's the norm to see arbitration. Um, it would be unusual for me to have, for example, a, uh, a, a Spanish company and a Chinese company um, agree to the Spanish courts or, or to the Chinese courts uh, mm-hmm. to resolve their disputes. Um, they're going to more likely than not it's going i would expect to see arbitration so so or international arbitration so what are the benefits well first benefit is is that it's a neutral forum so as i alluded to just now neither of those parties would feel comfortable necessarily having their dispute uh, litigated in the court of the other's country um, they the, the alternative might be to then seek to find a third country Mm-hmm. Um, which where they could go to the courts of that third country, um, but I, I can I'll give you an example from from my own practice. Um, mm-hmm. So if you were to choose, uh, let's say, the English High Court, and mm-hmm. uh, to resolve your disputes, and you had, let's say, you had a Cypriot company and you had a Russian company, and they've decided to have a neutral form English High Court. Well, the first thing that they're going to have to do before issuing the claim form or after they issue the claim form is to actually serve that claim form on the respondent in Russia. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, it's not simply a matter of sending an email or or even a matter of of getting a Russian lawyer to stop by the offices of the Russian respondent. You actually have, there's quite a formalized process of serving just the service. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, it's done through the through something called the Hague Convention on Service of Foreign Court Documents, and and that is done essentially through diplomatic channels and then through the, the domestic court system. Mm-hmm. And to give you an idea of, of how that cumbersome that just that can be, I had a case recently where uh, the amount of time it actually took the claimant to serve the respondent with the claim form was uh, over six years. Um, you haven't you haven't had experience from Cyprus. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's before you've even gotten started. Okay, mm. no. six years. Of course, everything needs to be translated into Russian by the by the by the you know tr- official translators. 
and then the claim form expires every year. So then you need to apply for an extension of the claim yeah. form. But then mm -hmm. that application also needs to be served. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, it, it, it can be extremely costly and cumbersome, and that's simply to get the, the claim started. Um, let's not even talk about enforcement. Okay, so let's say that you've done that. There's no automatic means to enforce the English court judgment in Russia. But uh, it's the same with arbitration, isn't it? The decision of the arbitrator has to go, no? No, no. You see, so so this is this is the, there is no uh, legal agreement between the UK and Russia for mutual mm -hmm. recognition enforcement of, of court judgments. Okay. Whereas, whereas with arbitration, uh, mm -hmm. as Agis referred to earlier, you have the New York Convention, Mm -hmm. which is a convention which both uh, Russia and the UK and most countries in the world have signed up to, mm -hmm. which, which, which provides the legal framework for enforcement uh, of that arbitration award. So if you had a, a London arbitration award, you could then go to the Russian courts and say that uh, there's a legal framework by which the Russian courts are required to recognize the English award as if it was a Russian award. So it in some ways removes that international element um, from the enforcement mechanism. And you then mm -hmm. actually have a legal framework. I'm not saying that it works perfectly all of the time, but at least mm -hmm. you have a legal framework, uh, which you don't necessarily have if you're talking about a high court. And that, that's just one small example of why arbitration mm -hmm. is, is preferable in uh, international uh, contracts most mm -hmm. in most cases. Yeah. Usually uh, people argue that the arbitration is very expensive especially mm. international arbitration and involving London and uh, LCI and so forth. So what is your opinion on that? I mean, it, well, it's really I, expensive, isn't it? Well, look, there's, it, there's lots of different, it, again, it's hard to generalize. Um, I think that there, 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 London, of course, has a reputation for being expensive, but I think many of the times it's, it's really up to the parties to control those costs. Mm -hmm. Most of the costs, which, people complain about, about arbitration, are actually, you know, incurred by the parties themselves. The tribunal costs are a very small fraction of the actual costs. Mm -hmm. um, so I think part of the reason that that reputation has emerged is because um, it was arbitration, I think, has the way it's been practiced in the last few years has been dominated by a very, a, a number of large international law firms, many of which uh, have American roots. Um, but that's certainly not universal. That's not necessarily the case. And I think as we've seen the last 10 years, there's been a great emergence of what we call sort of boutique uh, arbitration law firms, which have highly experienced, highly qualified uh, practitioners uh, who would are, are able to run cases in international arbitration at really a fraction of the cost of some of the more uh, of the of the of the big magic circle or the large firms, which I think mm -hmm. have been traditionally dominated in that mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and as consumers, I think of of arbitration have become more sophisticated, and I think that now they're looking very carefully at the costs, and 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 I think that has a result of hopefully bringing down those costs. Mm -hmm. um, okay, uh, thank you about this. So. I mean, it depends on how you uh, quantify mm -hmm. um, uh, the the benefits you get from um, uh, referring to arbitration. Because let's say that you have an international dispute which is referred to the secret court, 
and you ask for a claimant who is claiming 10 million euros. You go to the um, Cypriot court and you wait for eight years for judgment. Uh, once that is done, you wait for one year for um, uh, a writ of movables to be executed. And it takes another five years before you can get any cash, uh, mm -hmm. cash if you get any. If you so that's get. 13 years. Mm -hmm. um, and it costs um, 80,000 euros according to the scales of the Supreme Court. And you compare that to going to an ICC or LCA arbitration, which is held in uh, a year and a half or two years, it costs uh, maybe 300,000 euros. Uh, but uh, in two years, you have um, an award which you can enforce in 150 states, depending on where the assets are, if any. So I, I think that this example shows that uh, it is quite relevant. Um, yes, how uh, you pay and what you get out of it. Did you have any practical experience of enforcing arbitration judgments in Cyprus, international arbitration judgments? Yes, of course. But the the issue, look, our courts are quite good at um, applying what is uh, termed the pro-arbitration bias. The, our courts are in favor of, of enforcing international arbitration awards. Mm -hmm. The problem is not there. The problem is once you get the award recognized, mm -hmm. that the enforcement measures uh, that can be taken in Cyprus are quite limited and not very effective. So unless there is money in the bank and you freeze uh, the accounts, or there is um, immovable property which you can uh, seize in some uh, manner, uh, mm -hmm. it is very, very difficult to enforce a judgment or an award, but that is, mm -hmm. That's it's the same for all types of proceedings. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, Anna, this is what I was uh, uh, asking George before about the enforcement of an arbitration judgment at the national level. And what is your comment about the enforcement proceedings here in Cyprus from mm -hmm. your experience? I mean, we hit the wall most of the times, don't we? Yes, that, that's true. And th does this negate the whole arbitration uh, advantage, would you say? First of all, I would say, to sum up, that uh, the benefits of arbitration, of international arbitration, actually, is, again, uh, the, the, from, from the view, from, in terms of time, cost, procedure, enforcement, and recognition. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I agree that it depends. It is expensive if the parties do not control the, the expenses. It is the, the way they, they design the clause and the way they, they choose actually ad hoc arbitration or institutional arbitration and which institution. So mm -hmm. it, it needs a certain research before uh, mm -hmm. you decide what path are you going to follow. The thing is that international arbitration exists, to my view, because um, uh, the New York Convention exists. So it's not the same with uh, the, the decisions of the courts. We don't have international convention to uh, enforce um, decision of the court mm -hmm. to other states. So regarding the enforcement system in Cyprus, yes, yes, we, we do hit wall because as I said, we don't have enough uh, enforcement uh, measures. And this is something that um, uh, the European Commission is looking at right now. Mm. Uh, there is... Um, a project it called uh, it's called uh, the Atlas Enforcement Project, and uh, I had the opportunity to be the rapporteur for for Cyprus. 
Um, and it's going to be a very in large scale online um, um, system in which all the investors they have the opportunity to to see in each country of, uh, okay. of Europe uh, how I can enforce uh, an award or a decision I have uh, in order to uh, collect um, uh, my claim. So mm -hmm. this is why I'm always saying that the enforcement system the enforcement system is uh, essential for a state, for a jurisdiction, for a legal order that needs to be uh, investment friendly. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the investments, the investors, they do want to recollect. And uh, the arbitration, usually, or uh, the courts is going to, we're going to, to be at that stage eventually. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we need to reform that. And I mm -hmm. think it's one of the, of the goals of the Minister of Justice right now in Cyprus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So, George, you are a co-director of the um, of training uh, for the European branch of the Charter Institute of Arbitrators, and um, um, I know that you are uh, planning to do some training sessions uh, for uh, uh, Cypriot lawyers. So, I want to discuss this, but. Before we go into the details, uh, let us uh, give us a, a general um, uh, description or an idea about the Charter Institute of Arbitrators, what it is, what, it's, what is its role, how it works, and etc. Well, thank you, thank you. That's really very something I very much wanted to discuss. So, you mm -hmm. know, it, there's lots of different uh, ways in order to get trained as, as an arbitrator, and there's arbitration training out there. Mm -hmm. But, um, and oftentimes this can be from universities or um, some of the institutions, like for example, the ICC uh, conducts some training courses. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Delos is another institution, uh, which I think does some training as well. Um, so, but but the, really the, I would say uh, in my view, and I think the, the view shared by many, the premier institution for arbitration training is the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators. Mm -hmm. Now, the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators started in, uh, in 1915, uh, is mm -hmm. when it was founded. And uh, it was founded, it's, I think it's always interesting to look, you're going to think I'm a history buff, but I really do think it's important to look at the history of these institutions. So it was founded mm -hmm. by someone main, named H.C. Emery, uh, who was a solicitor, uh, but it was also founded by someone named F.M. Burr, who was an architect. Um, I. W. Bullen, who was an accountant, A. Powell's profession unknown, uh, and uh, A. Stevens was a solicitor. So actually, two out of the only two were solicitors, okay. and the other three were not solicitors. Which actually goes to illustrate the roots of arbitration in, in the UK, which mm -hmm. is that it's not for lawyers. Uh, it's meant to be, you know. It's meant to be a, a dispute resolution by experts in that same industry. So mm -hmm. architects are judging architects. Yeah. Um, and, and so because the, this, the roots of this were partly legal but also partly industrial, there was thought to form an organization. And the object was, and I'll quote, to raise the status of arbitration to the dignity of a distinct and recognized position as one of the learned professions. Okay. So the idea was to make sure that there is a certain high level of consistency among arbitrators in order to protect the, uh, that arbitration as a dispute resolution mechanism. Mm -hmm. 
So if you don't have high and equal minimal standards of arbitrators, it was viewed that this would be bad for arbitration generally. So that was the founding purpose of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators. And of course, therefore, as one of its central goals now for well over 100 years has been the uh, education and training of practitioners who in arbitration, be they lawyers or, or, or not lawyers. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's really why it's, I would say it's the umbrella organization internationally um, for arbitration training. Mm -hmm. And and it has lots of different types of arbitration, not just international arbitration. It does, mm -hmm. for example, mediation training, which Anna will know about. They also do construction arbitration, um, English domestic arbitration. Uh, so there's lots of different training out there. Um, mm -hmm. I mostly conduct the international arbitration on behalf of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators. And the good thing about that training is it also then gets you recognized. There are certain statuses of recognition. So if you successfully complete that training, then you have certain levels of membership of, in the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, mm -hmm. which shows the world that uh, you know something about international arbitration and that knowledge and training has been recognized by the premier um, umbrella organization for international okay. so arbitration. Can someone who is not a lawyer become an arbitrator? Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, um, you know, in, in I think in England, I would say roughly speaking, it's only about half. Uh, it depends on the industry, but if they, in the maritime industry, it's certainly only half of the arbitrators are lawyers, and the other half are other professions. Mm -hmm. uh, now mm -hmm. that's in England, okay, okay. Uh, and certainly internationally. Uh, when we're talking about international arbitration, in most of the well-known, what we call seats of arbitration, so uh, that there, there's no requirement that the arbitrator be a lawyer. But that can vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, I'd, and I'd be curious to hear what the position is in Cyprus. Mm -hmm. What is the position on in Cyprus? Well, in Cyprus, uh, when it come, comes to national, uh, national requirements, there is no... Um, uh, restriction regarding mm -hmm. the degree one has, uh, of course, um, civil engineers, uh, lawyers, uh, other individuals, other professionals, they also can be trained and become arbitrators. I would say, I would highlight that, yes, yes, I do think that uh, training is important, is essential, not um, just to have the certification, but also to, to get this, the substantial knowledge in order to to get those skills you need to have in mm -hmm. order to conduct in an effective way and in, mm -hmm. a, in, a, in a good way, let's say, an arbitration. Mm -hmm. So one should also, uh, I agree with Yorgos, one should um, check the national requirements in every country because sometimes in, in certain jurisdictions, like uh, in certain states uh, of the US, uh, like California or Illinois, they, they, you need to have certain uh, experience in the bar to be a member of the bar for certain years in order to mm. qualify as an arbitrator. But in other states like Cyprus or Greece, there is no requirement not to be not to be a jurist, not to be a lawyer. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be a, a professional. Actually, in Cyprus and in Greece, there is no uh, or Greece, there is no um, um, there is no certain uh, requirement of uh, having the a training too. But. Ah, okay. I think that the training is important for the practice, for the for the essence of arbitration, not mm -hmm. for the 
qualification of the certification as such. Mm-hmm. So yes, mm-hmm. it is. I've been trained in, in all my life. Actually, I, I still do. So, um, training is for the essence in this, in this, uh, yes. Um, I, I guess I find it very strange personally for someone to be an arbitrator and not be a lawyer. I, it's not really, but the, the question of what the qualifications, um, what qualifications are required for a case vary quite significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Cyprus, most of the cases we have are construction disputes and Worldwide, uh, about 75% of disputes that go to arbitration are construction disputes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we uh, let's take two extreme examples. If we have an example of um, the uh, the building of a house and uh, a dispute between the contractor and the uh, owner of the house for the valuation of extra work, mm-hmm. that's of course something that does not really require um, legal knowledge. It's something that can be done by an engineer, and it's probably better done by an engineer or a project player. Um, in the same way, um, uh, uh, as um, um, other issues requiring expertise may be better decided by a person who possess that expertise. Mm-hmm. But if you if you take a purely, let's say, international commercial dispute, which mm-hmm. raises difficult issues of private international law, uh, issues of fraud. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, Complex issues of contract law. Yeah. Well, this happens in live uh, performances. (laughs) (laughs) Previously, we had a problem with the sound with Aegis. Now we have... uh, If if I may, uh, Christopher, I would like to add that the discussion we have now, it's not the same in mediation. In in, in mediation, there is a certain law that Uh requires certain qualification and certain training. So... The, in the Cyprus, you mean, right? Decided, yes. yes, and in other mm. countries too. So the mm-hmm. legislator decided not to, um, uh, you know, organize the arbitration training or mm-hmm. inquires, but it's not, it's not the, the fact in, in mediation, just to, mm-hmm. for the people to know if they are interested. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, George, I'll just say the, the one final thing is that, you know, yeah. again, it's all about party autonomy or the, or the party's ability okay. to choose. So really mm-hmm. everything depends on the arbitration clause. So okay. if the arbitration clause says that the tribunal must consist of lawyers, then the tribunal must consist of lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, if the arbitration clause is silent, then then it's really the parties are free to choose who they believe will be the best person to resolve that dispute, dependent on what their qualifications or the right mix of people, mm-hmm. which might so, include an architect, an engineer, and a lawyer. And, yeah. and then again, you're getting the best of, of all worlds that way. And again, mm-hmm. another reason why people are choosing arbitration and not going to court, because if you go to court, you you don't have any choice over who's going to be deciding that court that decision and what sort of background exactly. or, or knowledge mm-hmm. that that judge has. Yeah. And as you have seen, I'm allergic to dust. So if you um, <laughs> if you have a dispute in Sahara, then I'm probably not qualified to be. <laughs> That's true, yes. I'm allergic to Aegis and it has been very difficult for me this uh, last couple of days. Uh, George, um, what is the path to membership in the Charter Institute of Arbitrators? I mean, does, are there stages? Sure, sure, there are stages. So um, there's what they call a, a associate member, um, mm-hmm. member, uh, fellow, and chartered arbitrator. 
Mm -hmm. um, so um, associate member is, um, I think most people, if they have an introduction course and they have some basic interest in arbitration, they could become an associate member. Mm -hmm. uh, member uh, requires the completion of what we call module one, uh, which is uh, the first of three courses um, uh, with respect to international arbitration. If you follow the classic, what we call pathways mm -hmm. uh, training program. Um, and that is a, that first module one course is, is about the practice and procedure of international arbitration. Mm -hmm. um, and that's usually a course which can be taken over a period of three to four months. Um, it consists of um, two or three tutorials um, and uh, a review session, lots of uh, books to read. Um, but, but again, it's not too onerous. And, th and then there's a, a, an exam which is done, a centralized assessment now, which are all done online. And if you complete that, then you can qualify as a member. And then mm -hmm. the step after that is then fellow. Uh, and if you can see after my name, it says FCARB. Mm -hmm. And that's fellow of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators. Um, and that is achieved after you complete module two, which is the law of obligations. Um, mm -hmm. It's comparing civil law and common law. And module three, which is award writing. And module three is really mm -hmm. teaching you about how to write an arbitration award. Uh, so whereas module one is for someone who is interested in arbitration, maybe as a practitioner, maybe as an advocate in arbitration, mm -hmm. um, module three is really designed for the person who wants to become an arbitrator and wants to know, how do I draft an award uh, which will be enforceable uh, around the world? Really, that's essentially the main training which that mm -hmm. provides to, to, a, to the standard, to international standards. And there are written exams for all three modules? Yes, yes. Okay. There's written exams for all three modules. Um, and the last, the last module is basically uh, you, you're drafting an award. Mm -hmm. um, and then that award then is assessed by experienced arbitrators mm -hmm. along certain objective standards um, to, to see if you've understood and you've met the criteria. Mm -hmm. And module one is, like you said, is like the entrance uh, course okay to to qualify to become a, an associate uh, uh no that in the introduction course uh it's it not actually even required necessarily for you to become an associate but it's a good okay. it's a good standard to make sure that you understand at least the basics of arbitration mm -hmm. the next step is is module one to become a member of okay. the Chartered institute of arbitrators and is this taught online now with uh, COVID yes, and everything? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so now, uh, all, virtually all of the training that I'm aware of now uh, by the Chinese Institute of Arbitrators is, uh, if not completely online, uh, at least has an online element and possibility. So there might be a hybrid uh, of some people in, in a room together, but the Chinese Institute of Arbitrators has invested in a, a state-of-the-art um, um, training mm -hmm. program software. Uh, it's not okay. Zoom. Uh, it's mm -hmm. it's something else, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's what's used to to conduct uh, the courses online. Mm -hmm. and, and I have to say, I mean, uh, having done both, um, and I think probably a lot of people would agree with me. I actually prefer the online uh, training Why? that I did to the live training. Um, mm -hmm. I think it, 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 it's a lot more convenient. It takes a lot less of a time commitment. 
um, yes, you lose a bit of the networking, um, but that you would you might have in a live room. But but it's a great savings of time, though a great savings mm -hmm. of time. So mm -hmm. um, I, I really would would strongly recommend the online uh, training. Something mm -hmm. you can do from the from your own home and and it, with a minimal time commitment. Yeah, uh, I guess. Uh, how difficult will it be for a Cypriot lawyer to do module one? I mean, for the average lawyer that uh, you, you know. It's not difficult in the sense that um, it doesn't require that uh, the uh, candidate has um, uh, anything more than knowledge of basic principles of law. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, anyone can do it. Um, and I think it's a very good course in the sense that uh, it is um, designed to introduce uh, and to uh, push into some length into the, the, the knowledge that's required for someone to get involved uh, in this uh, practice. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyone can do it, but uh, I mean, from the course is not an end in itself. I mean, um, mm -hmm. it requires continuous effort in order to be able to cope with uh, this type of cases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Anna, from your experience, um, uh, for, is this something that would be attractive to, to Cypriot lawyers, you think? Or because there is this element of written exam, is something that is like a, a discouragement? I would say it's not something that the Cypriot lawyers, or not lawyers, I mean, Professionals that are professionals like in the course, mm -hmm. um, it's something it's something they can do actually. As uh, George said, uh, says it's uh, from uh, um, the from your from your house from your office, so you don't need to to commute. Uh, it's online. Um, mm -hmm. The written exams are designed to um, one to to be able to respond to them after the training. So it's mm -hmm. not something that one. Uh, should uh, be afraid of mm -hmm. and uh, always you know as, as i say to my students too the exams it's uh, it's a very nice opportunity for you too to see your your level and mm -hmm. uh, those exams are not designed for people to fail they are designed in a way that you can see actually that the training was effective and that you have those skills and the basic knowledge you need to have in order to to go further so mm -hmm. i would uh, i would recommend it actually because it combines substantial knowledge and uh, procedural knowledge of arbitration. Mm -hmm. So this is important well, for the arbitrators to have knowledge of the substantial law and the, the, the law of the process, because mm -hmm. arbitration has a lot to do with the process. That's why even professionals that they are not lawyers should have a minimum level of knowledge of law, of law at least the arbitration law. I mean, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean yes, and the also it's an international thing. Also, not only from Cyprus, maybe from other jurisdictions near Cyprus, I mean, it's online, so it could be attractive for, 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 yes. from, from neighbors, too. And you don't need to take the exam. There's no requirement that you take the exam. You can take the course, and then if you want to take the exam, you can. The exam is only to get recognized by CR about your knowledge, but you can mm -hmm. certainly take the course and not take the exam. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think the other one is to emphasize what Anna said is really, this is not the, really, it's not so much theoretical. Mm -hmm. um, as it is, I think the real benefit is that arbitration is very much practical. 
uh, it's how, how do you get from A to B in the most efficient yeah. way? What are some mm -hmm. of the troubles you might run into? And this is why the lecturers who are teaching this are, are experienced practitioners who really are there. I mean, anybody can read the book about arbitration, understand the theory. But mm -hmm. what you really want to understand from these courses is what happens in real life? Mm -hmm. And what are the mm -hmm. practical situations I might encounter? And what's the best way to resolve those? Yeah. George, from your experience, is this the position of this qualification uh, offers uh, professional opportunities to a lawyer? Uh, I mean, the, the to opportunity to enter into a new market to offer services uh, away from the convention, conventional court system. Uh, I think it depends uh, largely on the jurisdiction where where you are. So I think in in some jurisdictions, uh, ironically, um, in countries like, for example, in London, um, I think that. It's good to have the arbitration training and to have the recognition by CR, but of course, there's many, many very well-known practitioners of arbitration who are not qualified uh, under the Charter Institute of Arbitrators. They have no specific training in arbitration, mm -hmm. um, and they're very well-known and effective arbitrators. But I think when you go outside of these large uh, uh, and popular international arbitration centers, mm -hmm. then I think it, then it has more value. Uh, to have your experience uh, recognized and your knowledge recognized by a neutral um, international body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I can say myself, when you're talking about opening careers, if I'm looking to appoint an arbitrator and let's say, for example, it's a construction dispute and there's one uh, very experienced uh, engineer that I'm considered who is recommended, who does not have CRB training and another one does. I, of course, I'm going to choose the engineer with the CRB training because mm -hmm. I might be concerned that the even though he might be an excellent engineer, he might make really just a mistake in the procedure, which then might render the whole award unenforceable mm -hmm. simply because mm -hmm. they didn't have that, that basic training. Yeah. One thing I did not ask is about the cost, George. What is the cost, the approximate cost of doing this module one, for example? Uh, it's approximately uh, a, a little bit over a thousand pounds if you mm -hmm. do it uh, from from London. I think that's the latest prices uh, mm -hmm. came out about that. Okay, um, which is not a, it's not prohibitive. It's not, not something that is yeah not at all. And, and I think those prices have actually come down uh, mm -hmm. because the costs have come down uh, as a result mm -hmm. of the online training. Okay, so could you could you tell us a little bit about the planning uh, planning this course for Cypriots? So, uh, is it final or is it in? Well, the European branch conducts quite a lot of uh, training uh, throughout the um, and out of various cities in Europe. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's what we will continue to do. Um, mm -hmm. And we and, and, and anybody can sign up to, to those courses um, from wherever they are in the world. So right now we're planning to be, do a module one course, which has a focus on Southeastern Europe, okay. uh, which it will have look at the realities of, of Greece, uh, look at the realities of, of Cyprus. And, and, but again, it's open to anyone to, mm -hmm. to sign up for that course as and as when it gets started. But that's really going to be the game is, that's the, that's the beauty of these regional training is that it actually then 
uh, brings it back to the reality of, of, of that jurisdiction. I'm mm -hmm. just now finishing a module one in, in Moscow, mm. uh, which we do every year. And that is also done, you know, with the context of what's the Russian reality okay. of international arbitration. So although the training is the same everywhere, so it's a standardized module one training all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, if we have some trainings based on regions, then sometimes it can help people share their own experiences in that region. And yeah. oftentimes people mm -hmm. can learn from each other within mm -hmm. the course. Um, as I said, it's practical. So people have different experiences. And if people are from the same region and they can share those experiences, then that's really to the benefit of everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, Christina asked here about the costs, and I, I have already asked you about this, about module one. And she also asks about the qualification, whether it has to be renewed every few years. So once you pass module one, that's it? That's it. That's it. It doesn't need mm -hmm. to be renewed. Membership to the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators is renewed every year. Mm -hmm. um, but the qualification does not need to be renewed. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe uh, what, one other thing I would say is that uh, in addition, when you join the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators as a member, you're also signing up to a code of conduct, okay. uh, which is a very important element. So mm -hmm. it also means that if, for example, there's been an arbitrator who is a member of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, who is accepting a bribe, you know, something like that, then then there will be, you know, consequences and an application could be made. That person might then we, would, would certainly be removed from the Chartered Institute Arbitrators. And, and that's basically uh, the end of that person's career. So that is a, a good incentive to maintain certain ethical standards. Um, and, and, and that's one of the statements, I think, that you need to uh, complete when you renew your membership at CR is whether mm -hmm. or not you've been convicted of a felony um, or something else which would compromise the professional integrity uh, of your role as an arbitrator. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I just clarify there that uh, you don't need to repeat module one. I mean, once you repeat it, that's it. But uh, if you want to use the title um, of FCIR or MCIR or whatever you are, you need then, to remember. Uh, required that you renew your annual subscription every year mm -hmm. um, so um, yes there, there is there is a cost to it and it um, it increases uh, as you go up uh, the route to fellowship okay uh, Anna um, what would be the skills uh, that someone has to possess to to become an arbitrator or be involved in this I mean can you say uh, can we paint the profile of, of the professional or the lawyer that would be good or interested in this? I, mean, I would say that an arbitrator should be a professional and always act as a professional mm -hmm. uh, in his field and also to be a person who respects the rules mm -hmm. because we need to, to play by the rules and, and in order to be effective. Of course, an arbitrator should always be a decent person, a neutral person when it comes to the dispute. It's very important for us, for our, um, uh, for, 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 for being able to, uh, parties to choose us mm -hmm. and to be present in the market, mm -hmm. uh, to act uh, in a professional way and uh, to respect code of contacts uh, and all, all other rules. To respect the clause, uh, 
in in each arbitration because that's that's the way we actually uh, build our profile. It's mm-hmm. a free market uh, after all, so we need to prove uh, in every case our value and mm-hmm. uh, our professionalism. Yeah. So it's not a market for people who want to you know to have one or two jobs and go. It's not. It's not about the way yeah. that the, 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 the game goes. It's ongoing. So, uh, and also the, the matter of expertise. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that one can be a general practitioner and knows everything and be effective in every field. So expertise is important. Uh, George said, uh, for example, maritime arbitration or mm. insurance arbitration or energy arbitration yeah. or commercial arbitration. So mm-hmm. uh, one should, uh, you know, uh, focus in certain fields or certain sectors in order to be better, in order to mm-hmm. be uh, expert at some point. Mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. In okay. This. And uh, George, I, I guess that the training takes place in English, right? I mean, the, it's in the English language, I, I suppose. That's right. The training is in English. There have been trainings in other languages uh, mm-hmm. around the world, um, mm-hmm. but... Um, but I think this training in the, in the European branch is done in English. And, and uh, my own experience and preference is that it is carried out in English because that's generally accepted to be the language of international arbitration. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, again, it's not exclusive, uh, but that just tends to be the, the language uh, which is mm-hmm. used. Do, do, do you have a date for the uh, seminars for the training? Uh, not yet, not yet. No, I mean we are, we're we're working on the dates now. Um, but mm-hmm. but but what I would say is that anyone who is interested in training can go to the website of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, and there's a list of of courses that are of Module One which are planning to take place. Mm. Um, so they don't necessarily need to. You know, wait, wait, wait for a course, uh, for this course that we're thinking about now for Southeastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, there is training already out there available by the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, and I would encourage them to go and, yeah. a- and look and find that. And then if this course, or not if, but when this course takes place, then, then that course will be listed among the, the courses that are up there for Module mm-hmm. 1. Mm-hmm. So do you need to have a minimum number of participants or not to... To schedule, uh, the, um, the not training. not really, but I mean, I, I wouldn't want to conduct it if it was sort of less than five people. Um, yeah. Really, more the problem is the maximum, and that's really we want to keep the numbers to a level whereby you have a, a good one-to-one uh, training and discussion. Yeah. Uh, so I really wouldn't want it to be more than fifteen, sixteen people. I think that would really be the maximum. Um, I, I was discussing this with Anna, and uh, personally, I think that if this gets published and it's advertised in a way, th- there would be many interested uh, uh, colleagues, at least from Cyprus, and certainly more than 10 or 15, I would say. Anna, is there a way to to promote this prior to being officially uh, announced or not? Actually, I would say that if anyone is interested, could reach me or Agis, and mm-hmm. uh, we are in the process of um, organizing this and planning actual dates and the list and etc. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, permit okay. me to say again, to say mm-hmm. additionally, that um, in some arbitrations I was selected because because I am a member of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators and mm-hmm. not because I am an academic or an experienced arbitrator. I would mm-hmm. say, or I mean, additionally. 
to that. Yes. So yes, if anyone is interested, yes, please contact us, uh, reach us, uh, yes, uh, me. We are um, we are planning it. Yes. Yes. Uh, I guess uh, closing. I, I would like to to hear your opinion on this professional qualification advantage. Is it something that would be good for a Cypriot lawyer to have on his CV? Will attract any any new business? You think? So I uh, I think that there will be an increase of arbitration work uh, in the next few years. Mm -hmm. So there is um, there is a potential there for uh, a secret lawyer to increase his workload or to specialize in this field if he wants if he or she wants to. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, if we we can put the interested persons in two main categories, there are people who are interested in learning about mm -hmm. arbitration and may take the course, but they never actually. Uh, they may not pursue a career in it, mm -hmm. uh, which is absolutely fine. Um, and then there are people who want to do this course because they really want to get deep into arbitration. Uh, mm -hmm. for, for the latter category, um, the, the course is just a start. Mm. It, uh, it, um, I mean, getting into this field um, requires a lot of knowledge. It is very multidisciplinary and requires knowledge of uh, good knowledge of procedure evidence uh, international law commercial law mm -hmm. um, so uh, there is it's a continuous effort to be educated on these issues mm -hmm. uh, and it's also very important for that person to be present uh, in um, what is going on in the world uh, of arbitration and mm -hmm. uh, this, uh, I want to mention this uh, how I met with the other two on this panel yes <laughs> uh, uh, I've met Yorgos uh, George more than 10 years ago when we were being trained together in Moscow um, uh, for an ICC arbitration uh, course. Um, that was a course, um, it lasted for two years, so we had the opportunity to meet uh, several times. We, uh, since then, we've done several things together, and I'm very proud to and honored to have uh, George as a friend. Um, I met Anna, uh, I think, uh, several years ago, maybe six, seven years ago, at a conference on arbitration in Cyprus. Um, since then, we've met several times in other similar events, uh, ended up being educated by Anna. Uh, now, um, we are uh, planning, after that, uh, George actually did a course uh, that um, uh, both me and Anna took. So we were his trainees, mm -hmm. and now we are co-trainers with George in another course. Okay. So what this shows is that it's not enough just to take a course or to attend an event. Mm -hmm. If you uh, want to get into this area of practice, mm -hmm. uh, then you need to attend these events, you need to build up your relationships, and it's a continuous effort that takes a lifetime. Uh, it's a commitment. Yes, um, and it's a, and it's a community, and and is, I, you yes. know it's a community all around the world, and which is a quite a close knit and and friendly and and wonderful community. And you can speak with lawyers in Brazil, or China, or anywhere who are involved in international arbitration, and we all speak the same language. And 
and share the same standards. And, uh, and I think that if for no other reason, that, uh, being a part of that community, I think is, is tremendous. Yes, yeah, you are right, Georgia. In the case of Cyprus, my personal opinion is that um, all, all lawyers should pursue this and they should at least try to find out more about it and if possible, uh, do the training and uh, be involved in these professional bodies, especially because of the dead end of the Cyprus legal system. I mean, our system here is, has huge problems, tremendous delays. I just mentioned before eight years to get a first instance judgment, five, six years for an appeal to be heard. So, I mean, you start now and you finish when you get a pension. Um, so we need to find other, other ways to, and to find business and also offer alternative uh, solutions to our clients. And um, Anna and I, do you know what is going on with the domestic arbitration law? There was some discussion to update it, to change it. Uh, have you, yes, do you I have any ideas? Is, uh, knows knows more. We are both in the arbitration and mediation committee of the bar, but Agis knows more they believe. If you if you could say a couple of words, Agis, and we close with this. Yes, well, there is, um, okay, uh, there has been a discussion about amending the law for several years now, but I think that um, the the effort that's taking place now is, is led by uh, our colleague Stavros Pablo, Ah, oh, Stavros. Uh, I had a podcast uh, with him in the past about this. Yes, I think he was an interviewee uh, a few months ago. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, the the what uh, seems to be the um, uh, the position of most practitioners is that we should allow opting in uh, to the international commercial arbitration law, so that uh, all arbitrations, be uh, they domestic or international, can be tried under that law. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a very, very important issue. Then there is also a discussion about changing law 121, which is the procedural law for enforcing judgments. And it is quite problematic. Well, it is problematic because of the way it was um, um, uh, interpreted by our case law, but that's a huge discussion anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are some issues about jurisdiction which have to be resolved uh, with that law. Mm -hmm. um, so. I, I think that we will have these changes fairly soon. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, um, this combined with the introduction of the commercial court uh, will bring uh, a huge positive impact uh, on international practice in Cyprus. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, I have also posted your, the links to your CVs uh, here. So if, if any Cypriot uh, colleague or professional is interested about uh, this training, they should contact Anna or Agis or even myself and I can guide you through. Um, so I think uh, we have uh, discussed and covered uh, most of the areas. Uh, George, I would like to thank you very much for your contribution. It's been really an honor to uh, to have you here and uh, get your input and ideas. So if you would like to say a final word and then uh, Anna and I and we close. Sure. Well, I just wanted to thank you again, Christopher. It's, it's not so often that we really have such a such an interesting forum to, to be able to discuss, um, you know, in, in such an atmosphere, really practical things that we can mm -hmm. be doing to to improve ourselves as professionals. Mm -hmm. And I thank you very much. And I especially wanted to give a warm thanks to Agis and Anna, who, who are really at the forefront 
pi- really yeah. pioneers uh, 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 of, of international arbitration in Cyprus, and you know, it, it, it's really an honor for me to, to be to be with them, and, and I really encourage them with their, in their work. Mm-hmm. They're doing tremendous things. Mm-hmm. Thank Anna? you. Uh, well, it was it's my pleasure. It was my honor. I I always um, love to be among uh, these um, wonderful gentlemen, and uh, thank you, Christopher, again for having us. I would also like to add that the course is suitable, and I think it's going to be very useful also for lawyers who want to represent clients in arbitration, not only for those who want to uh, to, to to act as as arbitrators. Yes. Because they're going to have the insight of arbitration. So mm-hmm. from from several aspects, I think it's going to be useful. And thank you again for having us. Mm-hmm. Are you? Uh, thank you, Christopher. You've been a wonderful host. Uh, thank you to my friends, Yorgos uh, and Anna, for being in this panel with me. Uh, I don't really have much to add. I just want to stress that arbitration is a quite fascinating area of practice, uh, um, uh, but it is um, uh, it, it does require a significant effort, so it is for people who are committed to do it. Um, and uh, if um, anybody uh, from the audience has uh, any questions or wants to listen to our opinion about any of the matters we've discussed or where to train or what, which course to do, uh, we are all at their disposal. Thank you very much. Okay, so thank you too. I hope that we are going to have this training, George, Anna and I, very soon and you will be uh, our co-trainers and I will be a student. Uh, uh, hoping to find out or... That's a reason for many people to attend because you're going to be one of the candidates. You think so? (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. Um, uh, It's really been an honor. I'm I'm enjoying a lot this uh, professional type of of podcast because I think we give uh, substance and value uh, to our colleagues. And uh, I mean, I feel very proud about this every time that we do this kind of discussions. Thank you very much. Have a nice uh, week ahead. Tomorrow we are going to have another uh, political type of podcast. So... Um, we are discussing, George, about the Cyprus problem tomorrow with ver- two very esteemed uh, personalities uh, here in Cyprus, but I don't need to bother you with this. Well, I'll be sure to tune in. Ha- have a nice evening. Uh, uh, dear friends, thank you for tuning in and uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Bye-bye and good night.